Welcome to the B-Side Podcast, dedicated to country music and concert junkies. Your hosts, Stacy and Andy Best, take you behind the scenes and introduce you to the amazing fans and team that support your favorite country artist. You'll meet the talent behind the talent and hear their contributions to your live country concert experience. We're glad you're here and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the B-Side Podcast. In addition to sharing the stories of the talent behind the talent, we're also very interested in rising stars. Andy and I love following new artists with their journey. Today, we're so excited to chat with one kick-ass rising star, Tara Lynn Fister. She is a singer-songwriter from Nashville. She just released her first song, Hellraiser, and the self-titled album will be released in spring of 2020. I need to tell you a quick story on how we ran into Tara Lynn. In her many trips to Nashville, we decided to take our son on a trip for a little bit of inspiration. And I think I mentioned to you last time I ran into you about a week ago is that he's a he's an inspiring guitarist. He's 16 years old. He loves to play. That's all he does. Yes. I'm sure yeah. you can relate. You know, with our journeys, you know, we're like, we got to get him to Nashville. I mean, the talent around there, right? And just to walk in any bar and just see somebody play. We thought it would be kind of cool. Plus, it was our birthdays. Our birthdays are in July. While he says he doesn't like country music, he knows every word. Right. (laughs) I tell you, our first concert we took him to was Kansas at the Ryman. That was actually his first concert. Wow. So he started off playing a lot of classic (laughs) rock, right? But we said, let's just take him to Kid Rock because it's a little more diverse when it comes to, obviously, rock and roll, as you know. So it was the afternoon. Obviously, they can get in. We come in, and I think we got punched right in the mouth because he was on stage. It was terrible and Fister. And <laughs> you were rocking out with, I think it was like Led Zeppelin song, to be honest with you. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, Holy crap, man. <laughs> she is awesome. And we sat there for a couple hours. And to kind of wrap the story up, you came around, you were so gracious, you actually talked to him, he requested a song from you, and it was actually a Weezer song. You oh, said your dad God, has good Weezer. taste, and I'm like, well, I like the song, but <laughs> I like a lot of different stuff. So we're so happy to have you on our little podcast, our little project that we kind of created here. I Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to be here. This is, uh, this is exciting for me. So cool about your son. Yeah, and I really told me a lot about your personality because, you know, there's a lot of people who are running around, a lot of musicians running around, and we've been down there a lot, you know, we fit the jar and stuff. There's something about your personality and your energy interacting with a 16-year-old when I know you're grinding it out day in and day out, and, and the love you have, and you can sh- it shows when you play. I just was really attracted to you and your, and your band, so. Thank um, you. That is... um. So all I could ever ask for. <laughs> definitely. So with that being said, we're always curious and go back to the beginning of really how you got your start, where you're from, you really started getting into music. The story goes, I was born in Fenton, Missouri, and that is right outside of St. Louis. My mom always told me that I kind of came out of the womb singing. There was not a lot of, not much else that I was doing. She said that even in the car, that I would mimic the radio before I was really talking or putting sentences together. and. Then after a while, it, it kind of became the family joke that my everybody in my family was always, Tara, be quiet, Tara, be quiet, Tara, be quiet. Because <laughs> I was either singing or banging on the table or playing. We had a piano growing up, so I was clanking on the keys. And I come from a very musical family. My brother, his name is Steven, and he's my older brother. He does musical theater. 
So he, and he's got a phenomenal voice. He's a phenomenal dancer. He can paint, he can build the stage, whole nine yards. All of my aunts are phenomenal singers. I've just been involved and indulged in the arts growing up. So it was never really a question of what I wanted or was going to do, which I've always, I, I don't think I realized how lucky I am that I was, I know what I do. Like I just came out of the womb going, I'm going to do music and that's what I do. I've been around enough people now in my job that go, oh my gosh, you know, like I, I work my day job and I like it, but I don't love it, but it does this for me. It pays the bills. I can't imagine being able to do my passion for a living. And it never really rung with me until probably about 25 that it finally hit me. I was like, I am an incredibly lucky individual. So I don't take any of any of this for granted. I really don't. And I think that's kind of what keeps the pep in my step is I know that it could go the other way. I, I think it does show when you're playing and how much you enjoyed and that you're, that you're there and it just exudes from you, I think. And that's, like I said, I, you can definitely tell when you're on stage that you thoroughly enjoy it. I do. That's inspiring. Thank you. I always joke. I'm like, well, you know, it's cheaper than therapy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, the that's truth. Exactly Even <laughs> us listening to it. That's right. That's right. Well, And it's so interesting when you talk to fellow musicians, we always say that, you know, everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to go home and, you know, be with my family or this vacation coming up with my significant other. But like by day three on this vacation or day three of you being home with your family, you're like running at the walls. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know, like I need to play a song or something. (laughs) So did you start Um, off singing first or playing an instrument? How'd that work for you when you were growing up? I started piano lessons shout out tower music fenton missouri I started, um, <laughs> I started piano lessons when i think i was about seven or eight absolutely loved it i still to this day think that piano songs are probably the most gut-wrenching heart-wrenching that and cello oh gosh um i started piano about seven or eight i got my first guitar at 10 my parents got me a guitar and I still have it. It's downstairs hanging oh, but in, uh, really i did that i took voice lessons in high school but i've always been singing Singing was always, I guess, kind of the natural. Piano was, I don't want to say forced. I love piano, but I never really caught on to reading music. I would just ask my piano teacher to play it for me, and then I would mimic what I heard. Yeah. So I would just stare at the paper. It took me a while to actually grow up. And then when I was in college, I was like, oh, I'm in music theory going, I really should have learned this when I was eight. (laughs) (laughs) But I got through it. So um, yeah, I've done it forever. Piano, guitar. I attempted drums for a while, which I still to this day would absolutely love to take drum lessons. That's my instrument, drums. I wish I didn't drop the drums back in high school. (laughs) My dad did drums in high school. And my dad's name is Andy. Oh, Oh, well, there you go. It's karma. We were meant to be. And my brother in law is an Andy. (laughs) Running into you. Yeah. Well, Tara Lynn, at what point did you decide to move to Nashville? How How did that all turn out? So I was in college, I was going for music therapy, and that was kind of my, I say it was like my band-aid, that I was like, okay, well, it's a real job, I'm still doing music, I'm helping people, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let anybody down, Like, <laughs> I'll have a, a payroll and insurance, <laughs> and I loved my classes, but I think it was my third year, going into my third year at a private university, it was one of those they called and were like, okay, you need 12 grand by Friday. I was like, oh, <laughs> I bet I do. You're so and, funny. Um, <laughs> <You're> so, funny. <laughs> so couldn't do that. I ended up having to go to the community college and um, I just finished out in Associates of Arts. So I had just gotten my degree. I was 20, I just turned 21 
and I was working at a Ford dealership selling aftermarket accessories. And I just kind of looked at my parents one day and was like, you know, I think I'm going to do it. I had already been going to Nashville about once a month doing songwriter nights. I'd kind of built myself a little bit of a community. And I was standing at Rippy's, if you guys remember which bar is Rippy's, right across from the Bridgestone one night. And there was a band on stage. I was with a couple of friends after a songwriter's night. A guy on stage just totally pointed me out in the crowd and was like, hey, you're a singer. And I had had enough that time. I was like, hey, I'm a singer. (laughs) And he was like, well, get up on stage. There's an older gentleman. His name was Greg Humphrey. He's passed since then. I got on stage and sang a couple songs and he like threw the tip jug at me. And he's like, if you, he had this very like, grovelly double chin voice where he was like if you come back with this tip jug full i think i've got a job for you kid yeah so i did i ran the bejesus out of that tip jar came back with a, like overflowing bucket i gave him my card didn't think anything of it but two weeks later he gave me a call and said if i wanted to come down for cma fest that he would have a spot for me to make some money so I did. I went down, played CMA Fest, and then went back home. About two weeks after that, he called me and said if I wanted a job, wanted to move, I had a job. So I did. I packed up and I moved like a week later. Wow. Yeah, That's I had nowhere to live. I yeah, nothing. It was the total like threw all my stuff in a car and <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I think about it now. I'm like, I can't believe my parents let me do that. <laughs> well, and you showed up to Nashville with a job, a singing job already. That I've never yeah. heard of that. That's why they let you go. You had a job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. They're like, what are you going to do? I was like, well, I'm just going to sleep on my girlfriend's couch. Like, you know, I've got some good girlfriends. They're going to take care of me. No worries. <laughs> like, I did. I, this awesome chick let me sleep on her couch for a little bit. I finally moved into somebody else's apartment that was moving out. And it was just kind of like waterfall from there. Did you have to have, uh, so you had a job when you showed up. Was there a secondary job that you needed to help support yourself or was this first gig getting I have, you through? I have never had a, a, another job. I've always, since I've been in Nashville, coming up on eight years in July, I've never had a anything but playing music. No secondary jobs here. <laughs> 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 That's the awesome thing about, I will say about Lower Broadway, if you talk to you'll get a different opinion from every musician you talk to about Lower Broadway. I have to be very honest in the in the aspect that Lower Broadway has been very very good to me. Before I had moved there, before I had moved to Nashville and started playing, I had never really played with a band. I had never much less played a 4-hour set with a band. I really didn't have like the college experience. I didn't move out of my parents' house and go get wild 3 hours from home. So I really grew up in Nashville. Like I, I, I came here a kid. I really did. Very rose-colored glasses. Very everything's gonna be fine. And I grew, I grew up in Nashville. So I've been very, very lucky and very grateful for Laura Broadway. It's paid all my bills. It's allowed me to make all of my original music. It's paid for all my instruments. It's paid for every house I've had, every inch of anything. It's, it's been very good to me. Fantastic. Yes, yes. Well, let's talk a little bit about your new album. So incredibly excited about this. Thank you. And let's start with what or who inspires all the songs and your songwriting in general? I would have to say lyrically, I've always been a fan of very simple, upfront, brutally honest lyrics. I've never been one to kind of write in code 
you know, sometimes you can read the lyrics from a song and go like, wow, that's really beautiful. I wonder what the heck they're, they were thinking or talking about right. or, cause you know how it affects you. So I've always been more of a straightforward writer. I've always had a very near and dear heart with uh, Willie Nelson. I love his writing. I love Merle Haggard's writing lyrically. Casey Musgraves, like as far as nowadays, Casey Musgraves is huge for me. I love her simplicity and her space and her music. I love, love Brandy Clark, if you know who that is. She's a oh. songwriter from Kentucky. Again, just straightforward, honest, wit, humor. I love anything that's got a, a turnaround, a sarcasm, a sassy bite. There's also two girls that I adore. They're called the Secret Sisters. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're a duo and gosh, they're they're just they're produced by Brandy Carlisle, and they're oh, they're like the the epitome of female writing. I think gorgeous. So lyrically, definitely straightforward. And then sonically, musically, I've always been a bit of a rockhead. I loved a I loved a head bang. I loved a crowd surf. I loved to yeah. <laughs> just hit my guitar for no reason. It's just I, <laughs> I I love it. So there's always been a part of me in high school. I was a huge Fall Out Boy fan. Yeah, I love Dave Grohl, um, Foo Fighters. I think that they are just their loud guitars and loud drums are just what I what I strive for in my sound as well. But I think. If you listen to the album, you'll notice that there is no one strict genre. I couldn't call it a rock album. I couldn't call it a country album. It's a little bit of everything. You know, my single is very, I call it like psychedelic, sassy, honky-tonk. Hellraiser is just a girl grabbing you by your shirt and saying, come with me. We're going to have a good time. Um, (laughs) But then I've got, you know, there's a song on there called Drunk Gypsies that'll be coming out soon that is more of a, a Patsy Cline love ballad type thing. And then I've got a song there called Scars, which is like a, if I had to compare it to something, I guess I would say like a uh, Grace Potter, Joan Jett with some Loretta Lynn in there. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. It's so interesting yeah. to have diverse musical tastes and backgrounds to help form kind of where you're at today. In your it is. There's a little process. bit of everything. I think that's one thing I've, you know, in taking some meetings and talking with some more business people, music business people, not so much just the artist, but getting more on the business side of things lately here. I think one blessing, huge blessing in being the the independent artist is the fact that there is no box. You know, I always say, I'm like, I, when I write, whoever I'm writing with, I'm writing by myself, I'm writing with two other people, one other person. I just always allow the song to become what the song needs to be. I don't, I never sit down with the, okay, this is going to be three minutes. It's going to be for radio. It's going to involve these three words, go. Not intentionally, nothing. I've always just preceded myself with the, whatever the song is supposed to be is what we're going to make the song. I love it. What did you say? You said psychedelic, honky tonk. Sass. Sass. I love that. I love it. (laughs) You know, that's the songwriting process, I think is, totally fascinating we sit there and and listen to people like yourself create music and great thing about today is except when we grew up you know you open up the album and hopefully the lyrics are in there because some of the time you can't (laughs) understand what the heck somebody's saying and now today is you you can go to the on your phone and you know find out all the lyrics which i think which which allows us commoners to like (laughs) oh i wonder what that person's saying here or there and then cool thing about music is it's just your interpretation of it. So yes. my question to you is on this first signal, one is how'd you, 
how'd you decide to come out with Hellraiser as your first single? And lyrically, I'm assuming it's probably your life story, right? You're, you're writing about. <laughs> yeah, so what's the story close. behind this song? <laughs> Hellraiser, I, I actually, I had a song finished and it was actually called White Girl. And the original lyrics were, I'm just a white girl trying to do my thing, let me raise hell. Because I always joke that I love to dance and I love funk, I love blues, I love, but I am very much a white girl. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm true to my skin tone. So I always used to joke, and Merle Haggard's got a song, he's like, I'm just a white boy looking for a place to do my thing. Then I, when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a riot. This is so funny. And so I had this finished song called White Girl amongst meeting friends and playing and going to produce. My awesome producers, their names are Tom Donovan and Christopher Griffiths. They're both of the Will Hogue band. They were like, you know, they're like, this song is great, this, that, and everything. And I just kept saying, I was like, you know, if it's going to get any type of airplay, I cannot walk around saying I'm just a white girl trying to do my thing. It just, it wouldn't fly. Like, yeah. it would be very honest these days. Right. It would not fly. So I was like, I've got to find a turnaround for this. I don't know how I'm going to come about it. So I sat there and sat there. And Chris, Chris and I are very, very, we're like this, you know, we're like peanut butter and jelly when it comes to songwriting. We finish each other's sentences. We excite each other it's just we have a great writing relationship and um so we're just sitting there pondering and throwing ideas back and forth and this goes on for like a week and finally i was like you know i'm just trying to raise some hell around here that's how hellraiser came about i'm just a woman trying to do my thing let me raise hell i was like what can i say besides white girl what am i besides a white girl and i was like i'm a woman <laughs> so that's how that came about and for a long time i thought it needed a bridge but as soon as we came up with that, I'm just a woman trying to do my thing, each verse, there's three verses, and each verse is just an example out of my life of me going like, I'm just a woman, hear me roar, all right? Just like, let me do my thing, get out of my way, everyone's going to be okay, <laughs> we're going to have yeah. a good time. So that first verse is about, I say, you know, I've been to jail, I did my time. I got a DUI when I was like 23 here in Nashville which everyone kind of jokes down here. It's like, oh, you've graduated honky-tonk school. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I got a DUI. Nothing, you know, not proud of it. Learned from it. Don't drink a drive. Well, there's probably no scooters back then either. So you could there was no scooters. <laughs> I probably couldn't afford Lyft. You know, so I say that it's kind of a three-piece conversation of me talking to, to the guy that's not my boyfriend, but that first verse is, hey, I've been to jail. I've done this. Like, you don't, you know, I'm crazy. Don't talk to me. And then the second verse is about, you know, well, he was like, well, I'm not going away too soon. Let me buy a drink. Let's, let's dance a little bit. Let's have a good time. You know, I was like, okay, well, he is handsome and he is being nice and okay, why not? And then by the third verse, it's kind of a, me going, man, this guy is just really persistent. And so the next thing you do as a female, you kind of go like, look at all my guy friends. <laughs> now, like, so my, my boys in my band were there. And so I was like, I, you know, these are my best friends. These are my three best guys. We'll play the bejesus out in anything for 20 bucks in a damn good time. It's just, my, it's, you know, my daily life, I guess you could say. Yeah. But it's an anthem. It's just a chick anthem. I love it. I can't wait to hear. Even now, it's kind of funny. I'll have people that'll come in to either Tootsies or Kid Rock and they've heard the single and they'll be like, you know, and it's happened probably five or six times now where they're like, oh, you know, play Hellraiser. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's working. Yeah. That's awesome. People are hearing it. So. I'm sure in your That's eight years in Nashville, how the, the social media really has changed 
in terms of what you do, right? And where you want to go and who follows you like we did, right? I mean, we've yeah, got so- in all of a sudden, got on Instagram and, you know, now I can know where you're playing and, you know, it's really incredible. But how has that really changed for you over those eight years coming to Nashville and now, you know, with the Instagram and Twitter and all the things on the back end of the business and the music scene, how that has shaped kind of where you want to go. Song releases and everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Social media is like the beacon in the night. It is, it is on the business side, as far as me being an independent artist, it is my only avenue to fans, to friends, to family. It is my only way to blast out my art, my, what I'm doing that day, where I'm playing, what I'm looking for, you know, anything from posting, hey, I've got a single coming out, to hey, here's where I'm playing tonight, to hey, where, where in your hometown could I play? You know, it is the end all, begin all. If Instagram and Facebook went away, all of us artists would be very, very screwed. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's scary to think about, but it's very true. Yeah, the non-traditional way of probably going into uh, a building on Music Row and getting a meeting and having somebody listen to you, maybe like the old school way, I'm assuming that's kind of how it worked a little bit. Yeah, well, that's still very much a thing. They are, I mean, it's, from what I'm learning, it's very, there is no A plus B equals C. There are plenty of people that have a backer, that have somebody throwing money their way, that have all the things you need. They look good. They've got their album done. They've got a backer that are still no further along than I am. And then there's people who get found by somebody playing in a roadside bar that takes them to Nashville and makes them the next big hit. There is no formula to success here. All I know is that I have the talent and the will and the looks and the strong headedness to, is that's a word, strong headedness. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> All I know is if I keep my head screwed on straight and I put good music out, I put good art out, I'm respectful, I stand my ground and I'm <laughs> fun to play with. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I wouldn't be successful. Right. In general. Your authentic self. I mean, that's yeah, what we love about you. Definitely authentic. Yes. And you do draw people in. And you can tell that by your playing and how you go around and interact with the crowd that's in the bar that you're playing. And Thank I think you. I told you that before. And I, that's why I think we're drawn to you and wish you all the success with the new album. The, Thank you, guys. The two, the two guys that you write with, Thomas Donovan, right? And Christopher Griffith. Yes. I'm assuming they're not the only people you write with. No, I, How does that I work? if anybody will sit in a room with me, I will write with them. You know, <laughs> I always say no meeting is a bad meeting, whether it's a business meeting, it's a songwriting, it's a lesson, whatever it is, no meeting is a bad meeting. I have been, been in plenty of co-writes where I'm like, okay, well, this is not going the way I would want it to go, but I'm, I'm here to learn. I'm yeah. here to take listen and i've been in plenty of song or co-writes where you sit down and all of a sudden in 30 minutes you've written two songs that you're actually really really proud of you're like oh (laughs) for a while when i was younger co-writes always seemed kind of odd to me because you're it was such a thing you know oh let's write let's write like you just met this person and it's like oh let's write like and writing is very personal you know it's you're digging into your own issues your own you know, things you're not proud of, things you are proud of, good days, bad days, and you're just going like, all right, (laughs) Right. what I've got, what do you want to write about? 
when I was younger, it was very awkward for me at first to take a co-write with somebody I didn't know to just go like, okay, yeah, January 22nd at three o'clock, I'll see you then. And then show up and sit in a room and stare at each other and go, okay. (laughs) Yeah. At first it was super awkward. Practice makes perfect. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable in my skin now going in Um, there and just saying, I've got these three lines and what do you think? How many songs do you think you've written at this point? About five <laughs> notebooks worth. <laughs> yeah, right. Because right. I understand, like, <clears throat> that's your babies, right? And so back yeah. to your new album, there's seven coming out. How yes. in the heck did you pick those seven? What, what was the, you know, the feeling behind these particular seven? Is it telling a particular story at, your t- at this period of time of your life or... Yeah, it, it's, it was a rather organic process, honestly. I don't know. I had, obviously, I've written for a long time. But also, when you're younger, and the, the more you write, the better they get. The more you evolve as a writer, the more you can use less words to make more of an impact. Yeah. So until about a year or two ago, I don't think I was really writing songs that I felt were strong enough to present myself to the world for the first time. There are songs I'm proud of, there are songs I like, but nothing ever felt like, this is it. The songs on the album are seven songs that, one, I wrote by myself, and they're usually, they're the songs that kind of fell out, like I wrote in 10 minutes. Wow. Um, and then the co-writes are songs that were just lyrically, I just felt were so strong. So we went into the, when we finally went into the studio, when we had the songs in mind, you know, they're just acoustic demos. They're just me and a guitar going, okay, this is how the song goes. They don't really have character yet. There's not personality to them. So as soon as we got them in the studio and we started one by one by one and putting things in and adding things and taking things out and what about this? Or what if we said it this way? Or what if we added this part here? Does it need that? Should we let it breathe? You know, all of a sudden it was very, very clear that those were the, those were the songs. Yeah. You know, it's amazing going backwards a little bit. You talked about some people come to town and they're financed. Uh, yeah. And obviously you've got the town and you're working your butt off to make things happen, not only from a living, but also to support passion, which is music. When you talk about making an album, everything that you're doing right now is self-financed, correct? Correct. Yes. It is very, it is very self-financed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which means that if you ever see her, downtown tipper yeah please she needs it to create more music that's right which is not a misnomer that you don't get paid unless you get tips Uh, so there is like downtown at every bar for the most part there is what you get is called a base pay oh great that base pay is in it totally it's it is different at every bar for the most part though i can tell you that base pay is either anywhere from 40 bucks a person to a hundred dollars a person. Wow. And those depend on times. It depends on the bars you're playing at. It depends on what time of year. If you're new, if you've been here for 10 years, there is a gamut, but it's 40 bucks to a hundred. So when we say that we live off tips, we mean we live off tips. Like it is, it is truly, truly we live off tips. We know that. I just hope some of the people that come to town know that that's as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We're like, here they come. Come on, everybody. Well, yeah. You mentioned, Follow me. You know, the great thing, you know, like you said, you know, working in downtown, you know, on Broadway, this helps support your living. You know, that comes 
as well with the growth of Nashville, right? I mean, look how many bars have sprung Mm -hmm. up over the past 10 years. And the amount of people that are now pouring into Nashville, I don't think we consider those tourists anymore. (laughs) You guys are seasoned events. We are. are. (laughs) But that too had to be a tremendous plus in uh, people like yourselves who are really trying to make a run at this thing and make a living. Yes, it's um, Nashville's growth has been absolutely, I'm sure whoever you talk to, it's a blessing and a curse. Right, yeah. Like, it's a blessing because our food is phenomenal and we've got people on people on people that help support our art, but it's a curse because we don't have the road structures. <laughs> right, right. So we're still driving on two lanes with like three million more people. But other than that, absolutely. As far as playing music, making my living downtown, it has been an absolute blessing, all these new bars. And what also has been really cool, in my opinion, about the growth of downtown is the amount of different artists that have come. You know, Nashville, a lot of people can, they say, you know, country music, country music, country music. And by God, yes, are they right. But there is, you can find any type of music in Nashville. There are so many eclectic artists that are just, they're, they're just here. They just exist. They roam the streets for the love of God. And um, <laughs> the, it's so great that any night I have a night off, immediately I'm, I'm on my phone going like, oh, like what, who's playing? What can I go see? You know, like you're always learning. You're always evolving you're always growing in your art and your ideas and just being able to you know I'll play at Titsies and it'll be any you know depending on what band I'm playing with if it's my band it's like a pretty rockin' show if I'm filling in for someone it might be a straight up 90s country shift and I'm doing <laughs> straight, like Martina McBride and Sarah Evans and then I'll walk down the street and you'll hear Roberts and Roberts is going to be all Patsy Cline and oh, yeah. Lynn and we love it. You know, <laughs> Don Williams and fantastic. And then you're going to go to somewhere like Dirk Spindley's bar, like Whiskey Row. And all of a sudden you've got like a DJ on the roof and people are grinding on each other. You're just like, yeah. what's going <laughs> on here? There. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, you can do all of that in like 15 minutes. That's yeah, right. That's no. so funny. And you can go to the east side and all of a sudden you've got this like weird funk. Like I can't even follow it because I'm not that, you know, I'm not that like funk. People who play funk music, their caliber is just so high. And I'm sitting there watching this bass player's fingers going, my mind is <laughs> melting. Like, <laughs> it's just fantastic. The growth in Nashville has just been so beautiful for the art. Yeah, it's fantastic yeah. city. I'm sure for a, from an artist like yourself, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's like a melting pot yes. of yeah. creativity. Yeah, it's a constant stimulus. Yep. So what's next for you, Tara Lynn? What is next for me? So this year, I'm hoping to be playing some bigger stages. We've got a music video coming out for Hellraiser that we just finished filming about two weeks ago. So I should have that back, or the little uh, rough draft, we'll call it, and I think in about two weeks. I have a phenomenal videographer. Her name is Lexi Katie. So anybody needs, reach out to me. I'll get you Lexi's number. Um, she is, <laughs> she's fantastic. She did my lyric video for Hellraiser. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yep. But yes, we did. My, That's cool. Our, so cute. our Barbie-themed jam. I like um, the purple hair on the uh, Barbie, too. <laughs> right? Thank you, Barbie. <laughs> Barbie and company, thank you. <laughs> 
we've got a music video coming out. I'm going to do two more singles off the album before we drop the whole album. Ooh, good. Um, yeah, so both of those singles will have lyric videos and music videos as well. And then the album's going to be coming out. And after that, I'm hoping to do a, a bit of a tour for it. So stay tuned. That's right. Nice. <clears throat> yes. Oh, can't wait. Bigger Thank stages. you. That it's is. Oh, and I've, I'm also playing in, um, in Switzerland in August. I'm doing a 10-day festival over in Baden. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like right outside of Zurich. So that'll be, that's one thing I'm super excited for. We've got some really, really, really awesome Switzerland family that just, they take care of us musicians so well that playing for them is like, you'd think you'd win the lottery. Every time I go <laughs> over there, I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. So I'm really excited to be doing this festival. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah. So I guess all this exciting information is going to be where? You can go to my website. It is www.terralynnfister.com. T-E-R-A-L-Y-N-N-E-F-I-S-T-E-R.com. You can see everything there. All my links to my social media are there. Um, my Instagram is best way to follow me. It's Tara Lynn Music. Other than that, you guys, you guys know it. You get on that website. You get on Facebook, Instagram. Yep. You find me. That's we found you. We have yeah. found it. And <laughs> Hellraiser so is available now, so everybody can. It go is and on that all platforms. Yeah. All platforms. Okay. Download, download that baby on first, iTunes. First hour, I think, because I think you posted on Instagram. I gotta check this out. That's right. Thank okay. you guys so much. Fantastic song. We wish you nothing but the best. I hope uh, next trip to Nashville, we'll have to find out your schedule and come and uh, see you play as well. Yes, is there a particular got... schedule you keep? No, my schedule is actually, we go Monday to Monday. So it's, I play different stages every week, different times. I, I'm not very good at keeping a schedule. So I like the, the switch yeah. up. <laughs> no, so yeah, understood. just contact me. You guys have got my number now. We're buds. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Best oh my gosh. To you. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to the B-Side Podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.